0: Long hours, small teams, uninspiring content. Marketing for a startup is hard work, but it doesn't have to be. HubSpot for startups can help you grow your business without growing your stress. Their all-in-one platform connects your sales, marketing, and support all together so you can increase leads, fast-track deals, smooth out support, and join a platform that more than 190,000 top brands trust. Plus, they have a constantly evolving collection of resources to help startups scale. HubSpot also offers discounts for startups on their top-rated customer platform, and not the kind of discounts that barely make a dent. I'm talking about meaningful savings of up to 90%. So if you're ready to crush your marketing, look no further than HubSpot for Startups. To see how much you can save, visit HubSpot.com startups.
1: I was so excited like knowing that this was gonna air, that I had booked a trip to Vegas like to celebrate the launch of the book. And I had like aspirations, like we're gonna sell you know a few thousand copies of this at least. And I think we sold like 26.
0: Welcome to Creative Elements, a show where we talk to your favorite creators and learn what it takes to make a living from your art and creativity. I'm your host, Jay Klaus. Let's start the show. Hello, my friend, and welcome to another episode of Creative Elements. Today is a special episode. I say that every week, but today is special because it's bringing me back to my college roots. So let me start with a little story about my college experience. I attended The Ohio State University, and I really had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. At the time, I thought the plan was to go to college, find a major that I liked, get a degree, get a job, and then work that job for like 30 years. And that just didn't sound like something I was really excited about but I didn't know that there were other options. In my freshman year, I started exploring journalism. In one quarter, yeah, Ohio State was on quarters instead of semesters at the time, I set up my class schedule so that my weekends literally started on Wednesday night. I had no classes on Thursdays or Fridays. So with a lot of time on my hands, I would go pester the guys in the room next to me in the dorm. And I learned that both of them had actually started businesses in high school. One of them developed websites and another one did landscaping. And this totally blew my mind. It was the absolute coolest thing. And one night when I was pitching an app idea that I had, they told me about this club called the Business Builders Club. It was Ohio State's entrepreneurship organization. And long story short, I bombed at a pitch competition, but I fell in love with the idea of startups. And that club fundamentally changed my life in a lot of ways. I started a business in college called Market OSU. I ran that club as a senior, and it opened a lot of doors for me. Here's a super cringy clip the Ohio State's College of Business asked me to make for them. Through my involvement in Fisher, my learning in the classroom, and my involvement with the Business Builders Club, the entrepreneurship club on campus, I was given the knowledge and the understanding to go beyond your typical learning about starting a business and actually start my own business in MarketOSU, a marketplace for Ohio State students to exchange textbooks and concert tickets, sport tickets, event tickets. Yikes, dude. Thankfully, I've gotten a lot better at speaking, right? Okay, so what does this have to do with today's episode? Well, today's guest is Bryce Conway, the creator of 10xtravel.com. 10xtravel is a website that covers a variety of topics related to travel, customer loyalty accounts, and personal finance. I met Bryce in college through the Business Builders Club. He was a few years ahead of me and already starting his own business, which was at the time called Get Free Flights. All I really knew about Bryce at the time was that it seemed like he traveled a lot, and he said he was doing it for free. And it wasn't just our classmates that noticed it. Around 2014, Bryce started to get major media attention from outlets like ABC News and Good Morning America. This is a story about a guy who is gaming the system. He is traveling all over the world, basically for free, often in first class, and he says anybody can do it. That press attention continued to grow his blog, GetFreeFlights.com, and Bryce released an ebook called called Takeoff, How to Travel the World for Next to Nothing. And soon in 2015, he had the opportunity to speak at TEDx, which has been seen hundreds of thousands of times.
1: There are three things that I want to cover in today's presentation. Number one is that it is entirely possible to travel the world for next to nothing simply by beating banks and credit card companies at the very game that they created. And number two, the methods that we use are, are not incredibly difficult. In fact, I'm going to cover some of the basic ones here today. Hopefully you'll leave this this TED talk having a basic idea of of how this works. Uh, And lastly, and and probably most important, is that traveling is one of the most important things you can do to develop as a person. And, And travel hacking is what has really given me the opportunity to do that.
0: As you'll hear in the interview, Get Free Flights soon became 10x Travel. And even though he started the business in 2014, he built it on the side for years while working in corporate banking. In fact, he just went full time on 10x Travel in July 2019. And now, with hundreds of articles, thousands of readers, a community of more than 60,000 on Facebook, and millions of miles traveled, 10x Travel is a major player in the travel world, producing some of the best money saving travel advice on the internet. And the proof, as they say, is in the pudding. I use the advice from 10x Travel to make my own credit card decisions, and last year I even got the coveted Southwest Companion Pass which I shared with my mom. In this episode, Bryce talks about how he accidentally started GetFreeFlights.com, the rebrand to 10 Travel, the shift in his business model that made a huge impact, and why his willingness to iterate on the business led to his success. Let me know what you think of this episode. You can find me on Twitter or on Instagram at jklaus, and I'll be sharing more from 10 Travel this week in our Creative Elements listeners group on Facebook. There you can hang out with me and also my companion, my mom. But now let's talk to Bryce.
1: So I'm actually going to have to take you back to 2011 to fully understand this origin story, just to kind of paint the picture for you. I was a senior in college. I went to the Ohio State University here in Ohio, and it was time to plan for spring break, everyone, at least at the time, went down to Florida, like to Panama City Beach. That's where I was hoping to go. But I was a senior in college. I didn't have hardly any money at the time. And I was looking at options to get down there with my friends. So it came down to like, Bryce, do you want to ride like 12 hours in the back of a two-door car to get down there? I was like, yeah, not really. So I, I just opened my laptop and I literally just started Googling like how to travel for cheap, how to travel for free. You know, you hear these kind of stories about companies that will sponsor you. Like if you do a couple of days of work down there, take some pictures or carry a package. Maybe they'll offset your travel costs. So I was looking for one of those famed unicorns, could not find anything at all after maybe an hour on the online. But the result of that was that virtually all of the ads that I saw across the internet from that point forward were for travel credit cards. Uh, I'd get pop-ups and sidebar you know, ads for like, open this car and get two free flights or 50,000 points. Or, These things are everywhere. And given my circumstances at the time, trying to get down to Florida, that was a very appealing offer so i happened to see one that said you know open this card it will give you two free flights after you you know jump through a couple of hoops i had very low expectations but i went for it i was like hey i could use these for spring break so I clicked open the card i was amazed to be approved for a pretty good credit limit just as a college kid working at a tour guide and lo and behold i i did the requirements and i actually got two free flights i was amazed so i ended up cashing in those flights to fly to spend the first half of spring break in panama city and then from Panama City to Las Vegas, for the second half of spring break, and then Vegas home. That was my like two free flights. It was able to make the points work. And I just remember getting home and thinking, wow, that was like really easy. They, they just gave me this, this stuff. But there's got to be some sort of downside. So I'm waiting for, you know, the bank to call me, the cops to show up, my credit score to get crushed. You know, there's got to be some sort of downside or reason why people just wouldn't open cards and earn these points. Yeah. And none of that ever happened. Like my credit score went up. I got hit with a bunch more offers for better cards. Everything turned out positive. So I'm just sitting there thinking to myself, why would people not continue to do this process? Like open a new card, earn points like this, travel around the world for free. So I started running some searches around that, like open credit cards to travel for free. Turns out I'm not the first person to think of this. There's entire little communities on the internet dedicated to sharing tips on this. And down the rabbit hole I went. Yeah. It's often referred to as travel hacking, kind of this, this hobby of collecting miles, using them well. I'm not in love with that name, but that's what really got me into that space. And I started learning as much as I could and just doing this for myself. So now we're getting to where this becomes a business. But what happened is I became very good at points and miles and credit and a lot of related subjects. And I would just post on Facebook like, hey, I'm going to Paris for the weekend with my wife. And, you know, we, we go literally spend like two days in Europe and then fly home because we're able to cover flights and hotels with points. And, you know, if you do that enough on social media, your friends are going to start to be like, yo, like, are you, are you selling (laughs) drugs? Like, you know, how do you afford to do this? So it started to slowly grow from there. I'd I'd introduce people to the idea, kind of like personally help a handful of people that started to snowball. And the problem that I ran into is that it started to impact my social life because I would go to happy hours with friends or like house parties. And inevitably someone would be there that we've talked about travel. And I would end up like in a corner surrounded by three people with their phones out who are like asking for help booking trips with points or kind of like grilling me with questions. So in order to kind of protect my social self, I, I just drafted an email like, Hey, here's the basics of how this works. I want you to learn these before we, you know, you take my time when I'm out hanging out with friends. And I would use that to deflect people when they'd say, Hey, how does that work? How do you travel? They wait, here's the email. Let me send this to you. And as more and more people did that and came back with questions, I would just expand on the email. That way I wouldn't have to do as much work. It's like, here's as much as I can give you enjoy. And then I was approached by my, my business partner at the time, Curtis. And he's like, Hey, you have a product here that people really like, you should put this in an ebook. Let's just put it online, try to sell it and see what happens. So I was like, all right, we'll try it. We, uh, we bought the domain getfreeflights.com, which was a mistake. And we can talk about that in a little bit, but bought that domain, threw up like a really cheesy, you know, 2014 sales page, like with the airlines hate them and like all red, you know, picture of me, like, look at how this guy like hacks the airlines. So we tried to sell it for like 49 bucks. I say, try to sell it because we didn't sell a whole lot of copies, but that was kind of the genesis. That's what got me online and, and making this into a business. We've made a ton of pivots since then. Most importantly, probably the name change from Get Free Flights to 10x Travel. But it all kind of just started with with having that little hobby that I did that clearly had a demand from friends and the nudge of a business partner to to just put it out online. And everything else since then has just been like a pivot or adaptation.
0: That nudge that you got from Curtis at the time when he said, I think you have something here that we can build on. Were you actively looking to productize something or start something or... Was that difficult to kind of get you in the headspace of, hey, let's take this email you're sending and now dedicate a lot more time and resources into it?
1: It, it was a little bit difficult. At the time, I've, I've always been pretty inclined toward entrepreneurship. Like I studied it in college. But at the time, I think that my view of entrepreneurship was more toward like the, the tech companies that you hear about. You know, this is when the social network movie came out. And really the thought was like college kids, build a website and tech product, go get like VC type funding. That just seemed like a world that wasn't available to me, like as a, as a kid from Ohio State with no coding or tech background. So I was totally unaware of, of the world of productizing, as you mentioned, or really just kind of being one or two man shops. So it, it wasn't really on my radar at all. But once, once Curtis kind of walked me through how easy it is to, to build something like that, I was totally game. To be honest, the, the thing that really sold me was was the URL. I thought, get free flights. Think about how many people Google get free flights. Like this is gonna be a slam dunk, no brainer. So thankfully I was naive enough to, to jump at that, but that's, that's what really got me going.
0: You mentioned that this ebook didn't sell a lot of copies and this being kind of like the first paid product of get free flights. Did you feel at the time that it wasn't selling a lot of copies or is that just in retrospect? Were you excited at the time or did that feel like a flop at the time?
1: Oh no, it felt like a massive flop. And and there's kind of an additional piece of information here in that we were, we hit the lottery and that we got discovered somehow by ABC News. How would you like to take a vacation to Hawaii for just $5? Or what about flying first class to Paris on a free flight? Sound too good to be true? Bryce Conway calls himself a travel hacker and says he hasn't paid for a flight in three years. Today, he's agreed to show Nightline how he does it. So I got an email from Good Morning America, and they're just like, hey, we've seen like some of your pieces that you put up about like going to Paris for the weekend. You know, How would you like to come on our show and just share some tips about how you do this? So I did that, and I, I filmed for a couple of days, and I ended up being featured on like Good Morning America, World News, Nightline, like Barbara Walters said my name. I thought that was pretty cool. Wow. Um, so I thought, wow, millions of people are going to see this. It's the news. So they're not like super salesy about your URL, but they definitely mentioned like, this is Bryce from getfreeflights.com. So I'm sitting there thinking, this is our golden ticket. Like This is going to be the audience and the, and the traffic that we need. And uh, when the ebook was up and, and I forget exactly how many people visit our site, but it was over a hundred thousand people. I was so excited like knowing that this was going to air, that I had booked a trip to Vegas, like to celebrate the launch of the book. And I had like aspirations, like we're going to sell, you know, a few thousand copies of this at least. And I think we sold like 26, like in the first few days. So I was like, ooh, and that that kind of hurt for two reasons. First, you know, you expect to make a fair amount of money on your work. That was disappointing. But I think the bigger disappointment was the knowledge that, hey, if if millions of people saw me on TV explaining my entire sales pitch and then came to my site and still didn't buy, then there is nothing on this earth that I can do that's going to make this work, right? You know, something is clearly very wrong. So that was really demoralizing at the time. But one very good thing came of that, and that, that is that I was contacted by somebody from Barclays Bank at the time. I had like, mentioned their card on the piece and like, talked about how I used it to, to fly around for free. In this first-class cabin, we found passengers paying 500, 600, even $1,000 for tickets. My ticket was $550. My ticket was literally free, <laughs> so was my breakfast. Using his Barclays World Arrival card, Bryce was able to redeem 40,000 miles for a round trip ticket in first class on Delta, a savings of five hundred and seventy dollars. And when they contacted me, my first thought is like, oh, like I'm in trouble now. They're, they saw me exploiting their card. They're going to be really upset. But it was actually the opposite. They were like, hey, we, we saw you promoting our card on on the news. You know, we'd like for you to become like an affiliate of our bank. And I, I like had to Google, like, what is a bank affiliate or a credit card affiliate? And that is what launched me into the business model that we have now and the one that's really widely used across the industry. The way that credit card affiliate works is you get trackable links from one or many of the major banks in the world. You can put those on your website. And if someone clicks on one of those and is approved for a credit card, you get paid a commission that varies based on the card. So instead of having to rely on my customers to pay me directly, here's my product, give me money for it. It's more of a process of educating them. And as they learn, hey, this particular card is really good. I'm going to click on Bryce's link to open it. And then I get a commission from that. So I jokingly refer to it as the best business model in the world. I put out information on something I'm very, very passionate about. And something I've been doing for a long time. My readers can get that information for free. I can help them. I don't have to sell them junk products or things I don't believe in. And all of it is made financially possible by bank affiliates. With that knowledge in mind, I was able to then just make the ebook free. That's kind of like a lead capture for us now and be paid by banks to, to promote their, their products. And that's made all the difference.
0: When we come back, Bryce talks about why he believes the ABC News story didn't actually lead to sales of his ebook right after this. D2C Pod, hosted by Ramon Berrios and Blaine Bolas, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. DTC Pod is a podcast about all things direct to consumer. Ramon and Blaine cover everything for starting, growing, and optimizing e-commerce stores and DTC brands. They talk with founders, marketers, and creators and cover topics like brand building, social media, influencer marketing, website conversion, paid media, consumer trends, email marketing, and more. So if you're interested in the stories behind your favorite consumer brands, listen to DTC Pod wherever you get your podcasts. You may or may not know that I have a bit of a domain buying obsession. Whether it's a new project idea or domains related to my existing projects, I'm buying them all. I have creatorscience.tv, creatorscience.fm. So let me tell you about my newest purchase. It's jklaus.bio. Connection with your audience is everything. We make all this content, and then we want to direct our audience somewhere. Well, a great new option is with a .bio domain. Instead of some long link tree or third-party URL that people can't understand and it's hard to say out loud. Using your .bio domain for your link in bio lets you manage all your links in one spot with a custom domain that tells people exactly who you are. It's short, it's memorable, it's professional. Your .bio domain name is your way to share yourself with the world. And right now, you can get your own .bio domain name for less than $3 at PorkBun. Yes, that's a real website and a real registrar. Just visit porkbun.com creator. That's porkbu dot creator. Welcome back to Creative Elements. Bryce had hit the lottery by getting the attention of ABC News. But after two days of filming and a lot of anticipation, the seven-minute spot in primetime was a huge flop. And before we fly past this, I wanted to dig into why Bryce thought that the exposure didn't lead to more sales. And even more specifically, did he think he could have done something differently to have a better outcome?
1: I think it all comes down to a lack of understanding of the way that people think particularly about like my product in this particular space. So, I've been in points and miles and like, you know, free travel if you will for years at that point. So, it wasn't uncommon for me to talk to someone like, "Hey, you know, you can actually travel for almost free by doing these couple of simple things." And I'm used to people being like, "Yep, like here's how it works, yeah." Yada, yada. But I was disconnected from the average person, which naturally when you walk up to them like, "Hey, did you know you can travel basically for free by doing a couple of simple things," the natural reaction is Okay, like, you know, what are you selling? Is this an MLM? Am I going to go to jail? You know, most people are totally skeptical about this kind of thing, which is totally natural. But I was approaching it from a logical standpoint. I was like, hey, I have this clear sales pitch. If you buy this book for $49, I promise you, you're going to get at least a free flight. What rational actor wouldn't jump at that? And that was my mindset at the time. And, and what I've learned and, and what that really ingrained in me is sales and, and a lot of just life is emotion. It's people feeling good about what they're buying. It's people believing that they can trust you. And when you come at it with this this type of rational, this is a no-brainer, can't miss thing, you totally miss the the thinking that's going on with your potential customers.
0: So if you were sitting down with Bryce from six years ago and he tells you, I'm gonna sell an ebook for $49 and forgetting that it's 2020 and people don't sell ebooks all that much. (laughs) Back in 2014, he says, I'm gonna sell an ebook for $50. And you have this insight about emotion. What type of direction would you give that person For actually trying to sell this product based on emotion as opposed to logic?
1: I would say you have to do a lot of research to very deeply understand the way that your potential customers think. It's not, the pitch is not, you can fly for free, right? People are gonna read that and blow right past it. It's, we can save you a substantial amount of money on your bachelor party, or we can help you take a honeymoon that you didn't think you could afford. You put it in the sense that, the way that people are already thinking and in a way that they view is approachable. And then that kind of starts them down the path. And from there, it's a longer education process. Um, But if you just come out and kind of like that hard, like, you know, you're giving me $5, I'm giving you $10 back, like what's to miss versus find what they're actually thinking about, like their hopes, fears, and dreams is what a lot of people call it and write it in a way that really hits on those to get them interested.
0: So you've mentioned a couple of times that the name Get Free Flights was a mistake, even though it sounds like a sweet domain to me. It still sounds like a sweet yeah. domain. Um, talk to me about when you realized that it was the wrong choice and how you thought through making a change.
1: Yeah, so we we realized that that was the wrong choice pretty quickly based on a number of different things. The first was massive amounts of emails to me asking when we're getting away free flights next. Like, okay, these are people who just saw the domain, didn't even read what we do. They're just like, give me a free flight. So very low level of quality in the readers that were coming in from a, uh, like a Google analytics standpoint, we had pretty good organic traffic, but our bounce rates were off the charts, which hurts you in SEO. And that also didn't really help when we were, when we were working with banks and compliance, cause they want to see those stats too. And they're like, Hey, why is only 0.02% of your traffic, like clicking on our products? Like clearly your content must not be very engaging. We're like, no, actually we're just getting a lot of, the freebie crowd who's Googling how to get free flights and finding us. So we knew right away, we gotta, we gotta change your name, something that sounds a little bit more legitimate, something it gets away from that type of audience. Went through like a process of actually asking our readers at the time for ideas on names, polling like here are our five favorites, what do you think? 10X Travel came out on top and that's what we've been ever since.
0: With a new brand name and a new business model in hand, Bryce committed to what he knew was the next step of growing 10X Travel. And that was creating content to drive traffic and build trust with his readers.
1: At the time, I was very adamant that I did not want to be a blogger or like a travel influencer or any of that stuff that makes me roll my eyes. Didn't want to regularly write. I'm still working a day job at the time in corporate banking. So I just wanted to put up a sales page and be done with it. But after discovering the world of credit card affiliates and kind of looking around at other people in the space who are succeeding, I quickly realized we need to be putting out content. So I started blogging just once a week. Like talking about what I'm doing or talking about changes going on in the industry, the writing is really rough, and it's still up. You're, you know anyone that goes to the site can see it if you go far enough back into post history. But it was something I was just doing to kind of learn. and I, I hadn't been trained on the subject at all. I was just kind of feeling it out. And that started to help because what we're learning is that this is a longer sales process with folks. you know, credit cards seem very simple on their face, but people have been so inundated with commercials, they're on all the time. Double points this, 30,000 points this, they almost go numb to it. So you have to put out content that makes it digestible for the average person, that helps people find your website, kind of get into your ecosystem, and uh, and, and starts kind of the snowball of business rolling. So I did that by myself for for the first couple of years, really. Uh, and when things really took a turn for, for the positive for us is when we rebranded from Get Free Flights to 10xtravel.com. And I brought on some other people to help me. Who were in many ways better at points and miles than I was. And then we're producing more consistent content and the snowball just started to get bigger and bigger and bigger as it went downhill.
0: When you realized that you should be creating content, do you remember what year ish that was that that became a priority?
1: It was late 2014. It was probably like three to four months after the launch of the ebook and kind of the big fail and realizing, you know, you can't just put something up on the internet static and just think that people are going to find it. You know, it's, it's a little harder work than that. And and I hate to say it, but in 2020, it feels like it's even harder than it was in 2014. It's a little bit more crowded of space. I'm glad that I got on that when I could, but, you know, to, to folks listening or really to anyone who ask me about starting building audiences or online business, it, it's absolutely vital that you're putting out consistent content, good content, uh, and getting it into the hands of as many people as you can.
0: Did you have a specific content calendar or expectation for how much content you're creating?
1: Yeah, at first I, my goal was one a week and that was something that was prescribed by Ramit and his course. He said, it's, it's easy to kind of ebb and flow in content. You know, you take a trip, you feel motivated, you put out three pieces in a week and then you go two weeks without it. And that type of unpredictability, I think drives readers away. Like they wanna know it's Wednesday. I can expect to see a piece from Bryce. I'm gonna go and look for it in my email inbox. So one a week was the, the flow at first. Now, after bringing on some other help to, to write content, we're up to like three to five pieces a week. And that's totally consistent, even if there's a ton going on in the travel space or like nothing going on, we just kind of pace it. So it's a steady flow that people can expect.
0: Have you seen a correlation of three to five times the results when you increase the, the tempo that much?
1: We've seen an increase in results. It hasn't been directly linear, but there's definitely an improvement in the business as we put out more content. And that does get to a point. We actually tested a a one month period where we were putting out content every single day. And we saw an increase in unsubscribes in the email list. We saw a higher bounce rate on our website, fewer replies to the email. And I'm like, yep, there's a lot of indicators saying, this is too much. So we scaled it back a little bit and we think we found kind of a happy medium with where we are right now.
0: How did you think about at the time getting that content in front of people? Like how are people finding your content on Get Free Flights or 10X Travel? And has that changed over time?
1: It it has. At the time, we were really interested in going after like social sharing. We were still had some of that mindset of, hey, if there's an article out there about how Bryce went to Paris for the weekend for like 60 bucks out of pocket, this is going to go viral on social media. It, it didn't. And, and those things don't just generally don't just happen on their own. So we had an important shift that I think has been very key to our success now in that we view our content not as a way of, of selling cards or selling products, but instead we want to capture an email and start to get into a deeper relationship with our readers. I think that's something that a lot of folks, both in our industry and just generally in content online, miss They they think I'm going to put out this piece of content. It's going to take people totally cold off the street, educate them on what I'm doing, and then complete a sale within 2,000 words. That just doesn't happen anymore for for most industries. And I think that we spotted that early. And we got instead got people onto our email list, kind of coached them through the ebook, taught them all of the the foundations of points and miles. And through that longer sales process, led to a, a more educated reader that ends up being more profitable down the road.
0: Everything you're talking about now is something that I'm personally learning a lot about today in 2020. So back in 2014, when you were learning that, okay, the relationship starts with free information, I'm going to get their contact information, then I'm going to follow up and nurture that relationship. Who were you looking to to learn those basics of email marketing at the time?
1: At the time, I think my biggest like mentor, and I use that word loosely because we had never spoke at the time, but it was Ramit Sethi. So he runs, I will teach you to be I know it sounds scammy. He even admits that too, but he has a handful of products that I have purchased that were really helpful in, in developing my mindset as to how this business would look. What are the things you need to focus on? He had a course at the time called zero to launch. That was really transformational for us. So he was kind of the one who started the ball rolling. And then since then, Neil Patel has a lot of great free information on, email marketing and, and, and business analytics and things to focus on. And then the, the last kind of key piece was uh, John Loomer has a, uh, a course on Facebook ads, which are, are now by far the biggest tool that we use to attract new um, readers. That taught me all the basics, keeps me informed as to changes going on in that space. I was able to become an, an expert in Facebook ads, and, and that made a huge difference in our trajectory as well.
0: You said that you didn't really want to think of yourself as a blogger initially, Um, (laughs) but it became clear that you needed to create content. You know, now fast forward six years, I would refer to what you're doing as blogging in a lot of ways. Besides the Facebook group, I don't see you doing a ton on social media or on YouTube. So when you were having this relationship with blogging, why didn't you choose to spend more time on YouTube or social media?
1: That's a good question. I think It's just it's something that I've never really enjoyed doing. And it's something that from the very early days I knew would not be sustainable. So one of my kind of like business hills that I I will die on is I cannot stand when brands are connected to people. Like if I had BryceConway.com and all this was being published there, that's just so risky because, you know, I, I could, you know, make some sort of mistake in business that wrecks my reputation. And then, oh, there goes your entire business, too, or I could look to try to sell this or retire in a way. Nope. Your name is just stuck on there. So if you chase that kind of that avenue and you become successful on YouTube and social media, I think it's easier to get started in that way, which is why a lot of people do it. But long-term you kind of end up in a bind. You, you know, your brand is you, you are the brand you're kind of stuck. We have taken active steps over the past 18 months to disassociate me with the brand. Like you'll notice you rarely see me on the website anymore. I hardly write articles. We're trying to go from Bryce is this points expert who shares his stuff too. We've created a system where we can share this and it's replicable, it's scalable, it's sellable. That, in my opinion, is a much more robust business.
0: After a short break, Bryce and I talk about when 10 x Travel began to take off, the future of credit card affiliates, and when he decided to make the leap to full time. So stick around and we'll be right back. If you work with clients and you want to grow your top line revenue without growing a big payroll at the same time, then consider attending the Solopreneur Summit, a VIP event hosted by my friend Ken Yarmish. Ken has personally closed over $50 million in his career as a solopreneur, all in professional services. I've learned a lot from Ken and he's worked with some of the biggest names today. People like Matt Barker, Nasheen Chen, Laura Acosta, and Jake Ward trust Ken to get clearer offers and scale their business with systems. Now, Ken is running a two-day in-person summit on May 9th and 10th to help you build systems across marketing, sales, and client delivery. So now you too can grow without hiring. This will be a workshop setting it's the anti-loud obnoxious conference with no more than 50 people who will go deep with ken and other experts that he's brought in to solve actual problems in your business ken and his invited experts will show you their proven systems across personal branding driving inbound leads social selling crafting scalable offers using ai to automate client delivery and more stop guessing and start learning from those who are three to five steps ahead of you get actionable tactics and proven systems to accelerate your pipeline, close more deals, and get out of client delivery hell. Head to trs.club summit to learn more and register for the Solopreneur Summit today. At that website, you'll see some of the other experts that are coming in that will allow you to go behind the scenes and look at their actual businesses. Again, that URL is trs.club summit. One last time, that's trs.club slash summit. If you know me, you know how much I believe in memberships. My membership is the core of my business and earning an income directly from your audience is one of the most sustainable ways for you to become a professional creator too. So I wanna tell you about today's sponsor, Uscreen. Uscreen is a beautiful all-in-one platform that helps content creators earn a living from their videos by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. You can host private live streams for your members build an on-demand catalog of premium content, and Uscreen gives you a community hub to interact with your members too. They can access your community from their mobile phone, so your membership is right there in their pocket. With a Uscreen account, you get video hosting, an out-of-the-box website, full payment and subscription management, and plenty of third-party integrations too. And Uscreen makes it easy to get set up. You get access to powerful website themes that are fully brandable with no coding skills required. Uscreen will even provide a dedicated success manager for you. If you're interested in learning more about Uscreen, visit uscreen.link J. That's U-S-C-R-E-E-N dot link slash J and let them know that I sent you. Let me tell you about one of my favorite podcasts that I've been listening to for years. It's called The $100 MBA Show. And wherever you are on your business journey, The $100 MBA Show has lessons that can help you take the next step forward. The $100 MBA Show is a best of Apple Podcasts winner literally one of the top Apple podcasts of all time. And it's hosted by my friend and former guest, Omar Zenholm. Omar is a business school dropout turned successful entrepreneur, and he shares real world lessons on starting, growing, and scaling your business. You may even know his software product, Webinar Ninja. What I love about the $100 MBA show is that these are well-produced, bite-sized episodes on everything from creating a product, connecting with your market, sales, building a team, and more. This show is legit. It does over 2 million downloads every month. Whether you're a small-time solopreneur or scaling your startup to investor level, there's valuable real-world advice for you in the $100 MBA's archive of thousands of episodes with new episodes three days a week. If that sounds interesting to you, and it should, just search for $100 MBA show wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. Bryce was just talking about his decision to iterate on his business model. Instead of paid content, he would create content for free. And I asked him how he knew that effort was working.
1: Because it started making money quickly, (laughs) I guess is one way to put it.
0: I dug up an article on growthlab.com talking about Bryce's experience in 2015. In this article, Bryce shared that in January of 2015, he earned just under $170 from 10x travel. But by October of 2015, just 10 months later, he was earning nearly $15,000 per month.
1: You know, going from a few months of watching the, I think it was an Amazon seller's account at the time with like an ebook coming in every two days, like, oh, wow, like we made forty nine dollars, like yay, to having a blog and then putting up credit card affiliates, and it's like, okay, we're making forty nine dollars in an hour consistently when I was asleep. that was was game changing for realizing where this business was going. So that's what really pointed me in the right direction as to where to focus.
0: So those sales, those affiliate sales, did that just look like it was the second email in a sequence, was like a third email in a sequence? When did people at that time typically say, okay, I'm ready to actually either buy the ebook or take your recommendation for a certain card?
1: This is a difficult question to answer because one of the major issues we have in our industry is that we cannot see like track through the entire sale due to financial privacy law. So like if you, Jay, went to our site right now and read one piece of content, clicked on a card, applied, and got it, we would see that like a new user came and clicked on a card, but we have no idea whether you applied, whether you approved. So it's difficult for me to say it was this email that made a huge difference. But what I can tell you is that once we made the ebook free, made a quick uh, drip series and email marketing that kind of pushed people through the book and taught them the basics, we immediately saw clicks, approvals, commissions, start to rise pretty significantly.
0: That's got to be so frustrating.
1: It, well, it, it, it is. It was frustrating and exciting at the same time. You know, it's like when you're focusing too hard at like a game like Cornhole and you're like trying to, so hard to put it in the hole. And then the one shot, you're just like, whatever. Let's just see what happens. You just toss it and you swish it. You're like, oh, <laughs> like I was trying too hard. If I would have just taken a step back and looked at things from 30,000 feet, I could have figured this out years ago.
0: Something that I've always thought about for affiliates and that I'm beginning to experience the choice of, as I get into more affiliate products myself, sometimes you can offer multiple affiliate products for basically the same problem. And one of them might actually incentivize you more highly to recommend it. But, um, you know, how do you think about which products you recommend if one has just like a much better affiliate program?
1: Great question, and this is something, again, I think that we do different than everyone else. It's counterintuitive, but it's, it's the reason we're successful. We, we have absolutely zero cares about how much an affiliate pays us. We will only write about the best stuff, period, and we will go out of our way to tell our readers that we did that. So credit cards affiliates are no different than I think most of the other space in that there's generally an inverse relationship between how popular a product is and well-known and how much it pays which makes total sense. You know, if you have the market leader product, you don't have to pay affiliates a lot of money because people have already heard of you. So a lot of other sites in in our space and an affiliate in general, they chase the money and you can see that. It's like, oh, the rankings for this product are in the order of the affiliates that they pay them. I know this. And I think that readers are getting smart enough to see through that. I think that like 2009 internet before people understood affiliate marketing and it wasn't so crowded, it was really easy for people to throw up content about how, you know, the Costco credit card is their favorite card ever. And, you know, yada, yada. I love it. Here's a picture of me with it. That worked. Now, I think the average reader and consumer in general is so much more skeptical about affiliate type relationships that when they see that type of stuff and when they learn for the first time, this guy is lying to me for money. You've lost that person for life. So for us, we go out of our way to just religiously make sure that we are putting the, the reader first. I'm able to accomplish this by not sharing any of the affiliate details with my content staff. So like if my editor comes to me and says, hey, I want to do a piece on, you know, the, the Amex gold card, and that card pays, you know, a horrible affiliate compared to the Amex Platinum, uh, I'm like, fine, go for it. Like he doesn't know that. He doesn't have a bias. So we're able to let that kind of go in its own ecosystem. And people recognize that, especially when we go out of our way to say, hey, this card pays a lot more. We don't want you to get this because it's bad for you. Go get this one. And then you build that type of trust with people. And over the long run, I think that's the better way to go.
0: Do you still feel the same way about the affiliate business model today as you did back in 2014? I know that you know we, we had an episode with Matt Giovanesi a couple months ago, and he was driving huge affiliate dollars, mostly from Amazon. Amazon cut that. You're mentioning now in travel, some of the the banks and the travel sites are cutting affiliates. So how do you think about the affiliate industry long-term and your business within it?
1: Yeah, I think affiliate in general is is in trouble long-term for a handful of reasons. First, I think that it's easier for brands and companies to promote their products online without having to pay large amounts for affiliate because there's a lot more content creators out there who are going to do it for less. And they're just getting generally more sophisticated with digital advertising. Like you mentioned, Amazon you know, it's been a couple months ago now where they slashed most of their commissions by over half. That just wiped out a ton of people who had pretty thriving businesses on Amazon because they're relying on that. So overall, I think affiliate is probably trending down long term. I think that credit cards and banks kind of live in a separate world in that their products are so lucrative for them that the affiliate payouts can still have some you know, some oomph to them to, to allow us to create our businesses on top of this platform. But we have recognized for a while now that affiliate is not a sustainable thing to do, which is why we're kind of spinning off in other areas, testing other products and trying to get off of our reliance of other people kind of paying us to promote their stuff.
0: Can you talk about that briefly? I mean, you went full time on this in 2019, finally, after probably, you know, paying yourself more of the day job for a while now. And simultaneously, you're saying that our core business model long term is in trouble. So how do you think about iterating beyond where you are today?
1: Yeah, I think we we have to diversify as much as we can in terms of affiliates. And we've done that. You know, we used to be only credit cards, pretty much. And now we do credit cards and financial products. And then we have an Amazon wing and we have other companies that we do endorsements with now that helps to diversify our affiliate revenue. But it is still all affiliate The most recent thing that we've done to kind of get away from that addiction, if you will, is is we've spun off a personal finance business. Um, My brother and I put together a course on Teachable called 10x Money. We've always kind of talked about the subjects because they are adjacent to credit cards. If people want to travel, they want to open credit cards. We have to have good credit for that. You have to think about your budget. So we've always kind of dabbled in personal finance. But this is our our official jump into that. And we've partnered with Wealth Advisors. And we have like our own little pool of our, our favorites to give us a new vertical for the business, a new way to make money. Again, though, it, with the best interest of the readers, long-term, I think we need to get to a point where we're selling something that we own or we have some sort of, of ownership in a digital asset. I don't know exactly what that's going to look like just yet, but it's something that we need to be thinking about. And I think anyone else who's in the affiliate space or wants to get into the affiliate space, you always have to be thinking about it because it's really only a temporary solution.
0: So you you mentioned, you know, started making some money pretty quickly, pretty frequently seeing. $49 per hour even while you sleep. A lot of people listening to this may be thinking, gosh, I'm not making $49 per hour at my full-time job right now. So you built this on the side up until just last year. How did you think about keeping that as a side project versus doubling down and saying, I want to spend all my time on this?
1: Yeah, I was always incredibly cautious about when to make that jump of, you know, leave your day job and 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 chase this down. I told myself I wasn't gonna do it until the side thing at the time, out-earned my day job for a period of six consecutive months. And what I found is that every time that would end up happening, I would just tell myself that was a fluke. Let's just wait like six more months. Let's just see what happens. Looking back, I think I probably should have made the jump earlier, but I was fortunate enough to be in a situation where I I didn't really have to choose between one or the other. You know, I I had a, a day job, but it wasn't incredibly demanding. I would get home in the evenings and still have plenty of like headspace to work on this. Sometimes I would even work during my lunch hour, especially toward the end of of, uh, my career. I would bring my laptop and I would go every day and walk over to Starbucks and I'd get an extra hour of work during the day when I'm at peak mental focus. And that would made a big difference, too. So for a while there, it's like, you know, I'm doing both of these things, but it's really not zero sum. Like I can do both. So I kind of rode that horse for as long as I could. And then eventually just got to a point where the money was, was good enough from the side thing. I was just like, it doesn't justify commuting and, and doing all that time, especially with my career at the time. It didn't have a, a whole lot of upside potential in my mind. You know, I, I wasn't leaving a, a, a start, star a career heading for something great. It was, that was kind of fizzling. Side project was going well. It made a lot of sense and it was time to make the jump.
0: As you were building this on the side... Did you have a partner the whole time? Did you have a team? Like what did the division of labor look like?
1: Yeah, so so my business partner at the time, Curtis, he was very good at like website building, analytics, SEO. He, he handled all of that type of backend stuff for me, stuff that I had no idea how it works. And I did only the content creation and, and general direction of the business. So he was involved for a couple of years before he wanted out. And when he left, I brought on a handful of other folks to, to do all that same stuff for me. Just because one of the things I found early on is that although you might be able to do that as a solo entrepreneur, a lot of times doing that can really just take too much of your focus and your mind space and constantly interrupt you. And even if it doesn't make immediate sense to bring in help to do that kind of stuff, I would encourage people to at least try it, especially because you can get pretty affordable help on through things like Upwork. Uh, to manage your site for you. Just make sure you're doing like the big things correctly. And if you can free up your mind to focus entirely on what it is that you do better than anyone else that you know, I think that's going to lead to to longer term success.
0: A lot of people listening to the show and even me in the, the recent past, you know, you get to a point where you're seeing some sort of results and you're thinking to yourself, man, if I could just dedicate more of my time to this, this might be able to support me full time but a lot of people listening to the show and including me in the recent past were doing this totally alone. And so as far as you're comfortable, I'd love to hear anything about like the economics of how you thought about like what you were dedicating to people that you were hiring, you know? So people can better understand their own situation of how do I know if I can jump in full time right now and that additional time I'm dedicating actually return in form in the form of revenue or being able to pay someone to help out?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I guess the, the biggest thing I'd say to that question is that there's not always going to be a straight line from like hire this person to you're earning their salary plus X dollars more of revenue. Like sometimes you're going to have to take a risk and bring somebody on not knowing that there'll be an immediate benefit, but I would highly encourage anyone in that situation to try it. You know these things are, are reversible. if you if you bring somebody on hey help me out with the back end I'll pay you you know a thousand bucks a month and two months later business hasn't grown and you've paid this person two thousand dollars time to cut bait and believe me they'll understand you know they can see it too. so you can try it in these kind of little micro experiments it's pretty easy to do that with all the the virtual assistant type you know services and websites that are out there now and I think a lot of our biggest gains in this business have come from, taking those types of risks on people or just seeing, hey, there might be potential here, let's try it. And then these people kind of adapt to fit a role that you didn't even realize you needed. So for folks who are looking to to make that jump to full time, I think that you'll get there faster if you aren't, you know, uh, penny wise pound foolish. If you're not, all right, I'm I'm gonna cut a few hundred bucks a month by, you know, removing my virtual assistant who helps format things, you know, hire two of them so that you never have to format stuff and see if that growth comes. There's there's limited downside, but there's huge upside.
0: Bryce is still iterating on his business model. With the travel hacking space becoming more and more crowded, he's leaning more and more into building the 10x travel community. But he still spends a lot of his time creating content.
1: That's right. Creating content. And I spend a lot of time answering emails. I think another key to our success is that we never, and, and still don't, we've never gotten to a point where we're too important to answer individual questions because we're, we're busy creating content. You know, I pride myself on the fact that I, I read and respond to every email that I receive, and still do. And for a while there, it was becoming overbearing like three to 500 emails a day, all with like pretty specific questions about their own situations. But if you do that for long enough, you create kind of that thousand true fans concept where you have a lot of people who, over the years, you've helped tremendously. And now they are becoming ambassadors for your brand. They're telling their friends, they're converting on sales without you having to talk to them because you spent the time educating them. You know, If you have the ability to do so, I highly encourage you to, to interact with your readers one-on-one and build that type of long-term loyalty.
0: You talked about, you know, you've built up this thousand true fans by answering sometimes 300 emails a week. What we haven't talked about is this Facebook group that you have, that's a thriving Facebook group, almost 59,000 people you guys have an annual event in Las Vegas for, right. for your audience. So talk to me about the community and when that became part of the strategy and how you think about it.
1: Yeah. Community now is is really everything with our strategy. There wasn't a, like a single event or, or day where we just woke up and decided, hey, community's what we're going to do. But it was rather a slow process of realizing that That is what's driving our business. That's what we love to do. And that's where we think we can be most helpful for folks. So we created the Facebook group. It's probably been five years ago now, back before Facebook groups were a really big thing. And our thought was that kind of going back to the like the logic versus emotion, we realized people really fall into this world and succeed at a higher rate when they watch other individuals like themselves doing the same. So I realized. In my email inbox, it's great to like respond to 300 people a day and help them, but that's one person at a time seeing that it's, it's really, it's like private. It's like having a conversation in a private room. We thought, let's bring a lot more of this to the Facebook group and let people just watch others go through the process. And that was huge for our business. And it was also huge just for the general feel that our readers get out of it. So now we feel like we're more of a community than a business. Like you mentioned, we host like that big event every year in Vegas. We go and rent out the entire top floor of the Venetian. We have penthouses and custom champagne and servers and ice luges. And we just spend gobs of money with absolutely no return just to thank our readers and show people these are real human beings. They enjoy us. Let's go have some fun together. That makes absolutely no sense from like a business textbook, like come from that world, you know, logic. But for us, that has had huge, huge returns just in deepening those relationships and showing people how serious we are about them. We expanded that. We actually were doing five to seven events a year around the country. We call it the 10X travel tour. We'll just go and go to DC. We'll rent out a brewery and we'll just say, open tab, bring whoever you want. We'll cover everything. Just come and chat with our staff and breaking that type of barrier. That's usually you know, internet content creator, reader, you never meet I always say it's like listening to an artist, you know, only on through audio. But the first time you go to the concert, you're like, whoa, I feel a deeper connection because I saw that person and I talked to them and I saw their fans. So by going and doing these meetups, we think that we're accomplishing a similar type of mindset with our readers and it leads to a much deeper engagement. And having done that for years, combined with the community aspect, combined with answering all the emails and, and just trying to do the right thing by our readers. We now are, are very fortunate to have super high like engagement rates, conversion rates, and, and can outgun a lot of sites that have much more traffic than us, much better SEO presence because we know these people. We've emailed them, we've met them, we've bought them beers, we've sent them presents for their wedding. And you know, we, we make onesies when they have babies. It just kind of creates this community feel that that does really well online.
0: I was gonna ask, you know, this space, maybe it's because I've paid more attention to it over the years, but it seems like it's gotten more crowded and you said, oh, yeah. you know, a minute ago in 2020 it's it's gotten louder. So how do you think about competing especially as an affiliate where ultimately you're selling the same product that other groups are too? How do you think about competing in a space that gets more competitive?
1: Yeah, that's that's a very real concern and and you're right. The space has gotten so much more crowded. When 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 I started there was, you know, two to three other blogs that were also relatively new. Most people were sharing this type of information on Reddit or in like forums, you know, that's kind of the science of an early content industry. Now there's got to be at least a hundred other websites that look like ours who write about a lot of the same stuff. It's, it's incredibly competitive, but I think we're doing something that none of them are. And that is that we view this as a, as a relationship business. I think a lot of them are, are doing the thing that, that we mentioned earlier. They're putting up a piece of content. They're hoping that they're going to rank on SEO. Someone's going to happen to click on that site, having never heard of you and they're going to read that content and somehow it's just going to make them take like a, a pretty significant financial move based on logic. Now you can write this card is better than that one because of X number of points and yada, yada, yada. And I think they're falling for that mistake of, I can convince people based on logic. We are going in an entirely different direction. We're going in a relationship route. We produce content to get people on the email list. On the email list, they see that we're pretty cool people. We have a Facebook group. We have these events like come out, meet us for a beer you know, Hey, Bryce actually is responding to my emails and we get them through that longer form of like engagement as a reader. And when they're done, they come out as someone who identifies, I am a reader of 10 X travel, not, I just happened to stumble upon, you know, this site. And I I hope I click this thing and open a cart. So by doing that for the long haul, we have created an audience, whereas a lot of our competitors are playing like the game of, of, you know, cost per click ads, SEO that's not particularly sustainable. And we're we're seeing that right now with COVID, You know, no one's opening travel credit cards right now. Nobody's thinking about travel and banks are terrified of the financial future. So we're watching a lot of our competitors just get absolutely wiped. Whereas we have this community of people who are loyal to us because of what we've done for them. And it's really like a captive audience in a sense. They don't just disappear because the world changes. We've nurtured them and, and now we're lucky to have them.
0: And with the emphasis that you guys put on relationships in community, I'm sure a lot of people have built a relationship with you even still through the Facebook group, through email, things like that. As you've taken those active steps over 18 months, have you seen any backlash or negative response from the community?
1: I have not. I think that the reason for that is that we're not necessarily getting away from like a relationship model. We're getting away from relationship with only Bryce model. So what we do is we try to prop up our staff as like personalities on the site. We encourage them to write about their own trips share their own photos that way people see them and and can identify with you know julie from 10x travel or anna from 10x travel and that allows us to spread the weight so it's not just me handling kind of all that inbound and most importantly we've really facilitated that happening between readers so we do that with meetups like people meet each other and we see them end up taking trips together or when they engage in the group like there's there's you know top contributing members who are all-stars you go out of the way to answer a bunch of questions And then those folks have relationships with each other. So by taking it as like Bryce to reader versus reader to reader to reader to reader, much more sustainable, much easier for me to do, and much, much better as a community and better for business.
0: Love that. I love the idea of community and relationships as like a moat and a competitive advantage in a space that gets more competitive over time. I think it's great. Yeah,
1: I agree. Highly recommend that anyone starting out in business, you're going to see the shortcut of the folks who pay you more to, to deceive folks or trying to scale so quickly without intimately getting to know your readers that might work in the short term but if you can build an audience long-term people who know you trust you come back to you that's a bulletproof business
0: when we started this conversation you were talking about you know this started as an email and that kind of iterated into being uh, an ebook and that iterated into being a content site what has been a through line for you in building this business over time that people can kind of emulate when they're trying to build a a content or affiliate business similar to what you've done?
1: The single biggest through line and like the one point that I try to make to all like aspiring entrepreneurs, particularly online, is to not worry about seeing the end of the road before you start down the path. You know, it's easy to envision like a a website like me, like I'm going to put up this ebook, I'm going to sell it. That's going to be the only thing I ever do. And in 15 years, I'm still going to be selling the same ebook. You know, that type of rigid ideology is is going to prevent you from even getting started. Because you're like, I have no idea how I'm going to make money writing about like puppies or, or gardening or whatever. But if you can trust the process and trust that if you're able to create value for people, there's going to be a way to profit on that down the road. So I see so many people who have a passion, have a skill. They want to put their name out there and share that type of content but they say, I have no idea how I'm ever going to monetize this, so I'm not going to get started. You know, Had we done that, we would we would never be where we are today. I can't think of a single other entrepreneur that I know who is currently doing exactly what they set out to do. You know, at some point, you always hit some sort of pivot. You learn something new about the industry and you kind of adapt, but you'd have never done that if you not get started.
0: This episode was a nice little return to my college days. It's crazy to see how much ground Bryce has covered since forwarding an email in college. We're hearing more and more on this show about how many creators are really leveraging the affiliate model, both in big and in small ways. And if you're listening to this and thinking about affiliates, I would encourage you to start enrolling in programs of products and services that you regularly use. Even if it's just a sale here or there from a link that you send someone directly, it's well worth your time. If you wanna learn more about 10X Travel or join their Facebook group, links to both are in the show notes. Thanks to Bryce for being on the show. Thank you to Emily Klaus for making the artwork for this episode. Thanks to Nathan Todd Hunter for mixing the show and to Brian Skeel for creating our music. If you like this episode, you can tweet at me, at jklaus, and let me know. And if you really want to say thank you, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.
1: universe.